Hello, I'm Grayson Brulte, and welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today. If you haven't already, please kindly take a moment to follow and be notified when a new episode is released. SAE Tomorrow Today is published every Thursday. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Ali Kanai, Vice President and General Manager of Automotive NVIDIA. On today's podcast, we talked about how NVIDIA is ushering in the future of autonomy and the role that software is going to play in enable experiences. Perhaps in the future, it's no longer about the hardware of the vehicle. It's about the software of the vehicle. The software will define the experiences, and NVIDIA is developing the compute power and the stack to enable that future reality. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Ali. Thanks for having me, Grayson. I am super excited to have you here. NVIDIA is a wonderful company making the world's best GPUs. It's amazing what the technology you've developed is enabling engineers around the world to build. So I'm super excited to, to dive into this conversation. If you look at it, NVIDIA is known for great GPUs that make uh, video games do awesome things. You're doing things in the data centers. But you've got this incredible business that only seems to grow and grow and grow in automotive. What role is NVIDIA playing in the ever-growing, changing automotive business? Well, our role in auto is very broad. You know, we sell chips that people put in their cars, and, you know, some of those chips are used to power automated driving solutions. Some of those chips are used to power cockpits in cars. But we also help customers develop the infrastructure where they train the AI networks needed for AI driving to build the simulation platforms that they need to test automated driving. We also help customers with their workstation platforms. Uh, We have a large line of Quadro products that power, you know, all the workstations that are very commonly used in automotive. And finally, you know, our Omniverse simulation platform is used to help partners build car configurators so they could sort of show what a car will look like based on all the different options a customer would want to have. So our sort of exposure to automotive is actually very broad and across a wide variety of products and services. Simulation, you turn on Bloomberg, simulation, CNBC, you hear the word simulation. Is that a growing business inside of your automotive portfolio? It is. I mean, I think as we talk about self-driving vehicles, there's such a huge need for simulation. The first thing is, is you can't possibly drive on the road and find every scenario by just having a fleet of like a hundred cars or a thousand cars, because there's so many things that are rare. You know, you could have a piece of road debris that you come across once in your life and, you know, someone else will come across a different type of road debris on, on the road. And how do you build an AV that can handle and recognize what that is? And so what you need to do is in some cases is in, in addition to just driving and testing on real fleet is you need to build synthetic data of hard to find scenarios and hard to find objects that you need to know how to detect and correctly respond to in the car. And so you have to use simulation and you need to you know do your real world testing and only in the combination of those two things can you actually build a really safe self-driving experience. Are the Nvidia GPUs the secret sauce that allows the simulation to perform at the highest levels possible? Simulation actually is more the software platform. It's a couple things. First is, you know, our platform is built on Omniverse, which is essentially the core simulation platform. And that platform we've designed from the ground up to be meant for AI applications. What we find is, is there are simulation platforms used in gaming, but, you know, the needs of a gaming simulation platform can't work for AI. And so we want everything to be physics accurate, photorealistic. If you want to train a network on, you know, some type of object, 
it has to be as if it is the real object so that the network actually, if it sees it in the real world, it will correctly classify it. Um, so the type of platform we need to build, you know, we had to build it ourselves and in invent it, essentially. Um, it's taken our team, you know, 10 years to build. Now we talk about it, but it's something NVIDIA has been investing in for, you know, a, a decade now. NVIDIA has a, a long proven track record of staying ahead of trends, ahead of the curve. Something bubbles up and all suddenly your enge incredible engineering team inside of NVIDIA has a product rolling out. So I give you a lot, a lot of credit there. The market's changing. It used to be when you were going to buy a car. Okay, I want the sports car that's the fastest, has the best handling, and they want the right paint color. Now it's shifting to what car has the best software, what car has the best in-vehicle entertainment system. I really love what you've done with the Mercedes and all that. How are you helping your customers and partners adapt to where soft, the software experience is the most important part of the car, not necessarily the size of the engine or how the vehicle handles? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, in the past, we used to think about a car and we would say, you know, what's its torque? What's its horsepower? <laughs> now we're going to talk about, you know, tell me about the computer in the car. Tell me about the software and the experiences that the car can enable. And so there really is a transition where, you know, a vehicle is a no longer a piece of hardware. It's a software defined platform and it will actually get better after its first bought. You know, you're going to continue to improve it and add services and new features and new functionality over the life of the car. And so, you know, for us, you know, we, we want to help people build platforms that are software defined and programmable. Um, and so, you know, when we develop our chips, we develop our chips to be programmable and have APIs that are sort of open and understood by the industry. We talk about things like CUDA and TensorRT. It's a huge investment from our company that we support these APIs for as long as we shall live. Um, and so if you have a software defined platform and you wanna add a new feature or a new function, you know that NVIDIA's APIs are consistent from one generation to the next. And so for a software programmer, it's so much better because they don't have to rebuild their code every time someone builds a new hardware platform because the software abstraction of that hardware platform is exactly the same as the previous generation hardware. Um, and then, you know, we help customers with how they train their networks, how they simulate their networks, all these things. Uh, so it's not just the technology and software and services inside the car, but it's also the software services in the cloud. Uh, we help customers in all those ways so that then they can update and improve the car faster and better using the services we offer them. It's a, it's a win-win across the board. Is OTA over the updates, is that the most important feature that you're seeing now with your customers? Okay, we need to be able to push this software out as our customers demand it. The ability to OTA, and I'm just going to say OTA is um, how you do it. The ability to improve the functionality and safety and security of a car over time is the single most important capability for any um, auto company. And the companies that have a infrastructure and software development flow that lets them do this improvement and enhancement in the fastest and most efficient way are gonna be the most successful companies in auto. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it such that, you know, from getting data in the car to then training it in the cloud and simulating it, 
if that flow can be faster for our partners, then they're going to be more successful and their end customers will actually enjoy and have more delight from the car as it improves over time. Let's use me as an example. I have a vehicle. I, I pay AT&T $25 a month to have Wi-Fi. It's, it's great. But there's no over-the-air updates. The UI is outdated. And I'm like, okay, come on. I'm paying for, wi- for Wi-Fi. Uh, update it. I'm looking at other vehicles. And I'm like, okay, well, do you have over-the-air updates where you'll just improve the user experience? To me, that's a key selling point. And you hit on that. And, and I want to stay on, on the OEM because NVIDIA is working with Mercedes. You have that beautiful EQS, which has NVIDIA products through and through. You're developing a next-generation computing platform with them. Could you talk about that partnership with Mercedes, please? So I think that's an example of a customer that works with us end-to-end. So, you know, we'll be giving them the high-performance computers that will be in every car across Mercedes-Benz fleet. We'll be working with them to develop the software, whether it's the active safety NCAP-type application to level three self-driving to parking. The entire application is developed by NVIDIA and then help with Mercedes-Benz. And then they're gonna, and then we're gonna support those cars after they go to production. So we'll be providing new features and new functions over the life of the car together with our partner. Back to the theme of happy customer. That's what this is all coming down to. Is what you're describing, if, if I'm, let's call me Acme OEM, if I don't have over the air the updates, I go the way of the dinosaur, the horse and buggy, because what you're building is the future. When we look to the future, society's moving towards electric vehicles. There's still the debate around range anxiety. How at NVIDIA are you optimizing the energy use? So when you put all this great compute power that enables all this great safety features and great passenger experience that it doesn't drain the battery, how are you optimizing for that? A lot of this is architecture. So, you know, in the past, the way that vehicles were developed, every new feature or function ended up being developed with like a new little processor that an automobile would have. And so, you know, if you wanted to have sort of intelligent seats and windows, it would be a processor. And then, you know, there would be something for part of the cockpit function. That's another processor. Then there's entertainment in the car. It's another processor. And it ends up that you have 100, over 100 computers in a car. That's the way they were building it. It was like, oh, it's a new function. Let's add uh, another small processor. And that ended up being very hard to maintain and support. And it also was very costly and inefficient from a power perspective and security perspective. So re-changing that architecture so that a vehicle is centralized and you have a, you know, a, essentially a data center type computer in a vehicle, that makes it so much easier to provision services over the life of the car to do it securely and safely. But also it ends up decreasing cost and power of the system. Because instead of having like a hundred different processors, you just have one computer and that computer is much more efficient. And so it actually ends up being a win-win for partners, but it takes their you know, ability, our partners' abilities to redefine their architecture. And you're seeing more and more of our partners doing that. Um, and I think customers are going to benefit from better experiences and you know, better price performance in those vehicles. I had no idea there was over a hundred computers in a vehicle. I think that was silly. You come with a better solution, 
a more optimized solution. Does that, let's give an example. I say, hi car, please roll down window. Hi car, please open garage. Is, is your technology allowing the latency to go down? Because sometimes in my vehicle and the system there, there's like a five, six, seven second delay. Like, okay, is it gonna go? Is it not gonna go? Does your system with consolidation around the chip eliminate the latency? Yeah, so when you do that, you absolutely decrease the latency. So for example, let's say that you want to perceive your, uh, you have one computer that's perceiving everything that's happening on the road. And then you have another computer that is displaying everything that is seen on the road. And that second computer is essentially not connected to the sensors. And so you have to go from one computer to another computer, and then uh, showing it in real time is very challenging when you do that. And so how do you make sure a customer in a car has confidence in the quality of the AV, like automated driving solution? In, in the vehicle, you have to make sure it's exactly the same time. If I'm seeing a car pass me on my right, you want to show it on the, in the cockpit, pass you on the right at the exact same time. And if there were like four processors that this was all sort of daisy chained across, there's always this delay. And then as a passenger, you start to not have confidence in the, in, in, in the automated experience of that car. But then if you centralize the architecture, then you can actually do it in real time. And, and that's why we actually call that confidence view. It's not just visualization, it's confidence view. Because if, if you don't have low latency, then as a passenger, you sort of say, you know, I'm going to turn this off. Because if it's two seconds late, you might have an accident in that two seconds. And so the architecture actually is critical to also ensure not just safety, but also the customer's trust in what's happening in the vehicle. Uh, and you know, we think that's a very important thing that hasn't yet been solved in many cars, but once you centralize and have the right architecture, you can actually really have customers benefit from the value of that architecture. Without trust, there's no autonomy. It's, 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 it's simple as that. You have another partnership with Volvo. I grew up in Connecticut, and when I was growing up, the moms had Volvos because they were as the safest car. Volvo has this incredible history of safety innovations being a safety first company, safety focused company. NVIDIA has partnered with them when you're going to be using the, the Drive Orion system on a chip technology to power their autonomous driving computers. You've got, an, you've got your brand that is known for doing this the most incredible intense GPU calculations and you take Volvo, a brand with a long history and heritage of safety, you come together what are you hoping to achieve in this partnership? Is it to build trust and put the the safest product on the road? I, I think Volvo is doing some of the greatest things in the industry. You know, they were a pioneer in centralized architectures and, of course, a brand recognized for safety and security. Um, we're always impressed with sort of the quality of their software expertise, but also their strategic mindset. They do a lot of things earlier than the rest of the industry. And so first, I think it's been a pleasure working with them. But, you know, we work with them not just in terms of using our Orin computer in, the, in, in their vehicles, um, but, you know, they need, uh, they and their partners, Annuity, which is owned by, by Volvo, Zenesact, they do their training and infrastructure work, uh, you know, on hardware that we provide them. 
Uh, and they also use Omni, and you know, they're talking about using Omniverse for, you know, car configurations uh, to help their customers see what their cars could look like. So, you know, this is, these two examples you've asked me is a good summary of how our platform is open. You can use us to sort of do a lot of the services for you end to end, or you can benefit from our work and sort of build it yourself using our core hardware and underlying software uh, as a platform for your own work. And, and that's the way we want to work. We talk about NVIDIA Drive platform being open. It's because you don't actually have to use everything that we're developing ourselves. You could pick what you want and then develop on our platform for the sections that you're able to, to do yourself. In, in simpler terms, Volvo or one of your other partners said, okay, we want to optimize and, and build this part of it. And then NVIDIA gives them the tools to enable to achieve their goals. Exactly. Exactly. We, we talked earlier about power, but I want to go back to power with the, the Orin as a big fancy chip. Is it going to consume massive amounts of, of power or what type of power consumption will that chip use? It scales based on what customers need. Um, we have some customers who want like passively cooled solutions that are 25 watts. And so, you know, you could use Orin in a configuration that is about 70 tops and can be passively cooled. And then some people want actively cooled solutions. And so we have many customers that are using it at 50 watts. And, you know, at that level, it's it's about 170, 180 tops. And then we have some customers who are actually doing, you know, like, like a Tesla liquid cools their car. Neo announced their liquid cooling their cars. And so we have customers who are using Orin at 100 watts, and then it's 250 tops. So, you know, the performance per power scales based on, you know, how you want to design your car. Is Orin being used for edge computing in the vehicles? That's the trend that's just seemingly accelerating. You know, the centralized computer, I would say, is that edge computer. And, you know, I think that's that's where everyone is using Orin. Um, they're basically centralizing a whole bunch of functions they previously used, you know, multiple processors for, and they're, and, and they're using Orin for that function. In the early days of autonomy, you'd open up the back of a trunk. Mercedes was very famous for this. And there was racks and racks of computers and com- compute power. What is the size of, of the of the Orin? Is it just built into the architecture of the vehicle or, or are they losing trunk space? How is that in there? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty small. I mean, Orin is, you know, like that big. Wow. You know what I mean? For, for listeners who are listening and couldn't see, the, the Orin chip's about two inches. It's, it's, it's pretty small. So, and it kind of typically sits sort of under your cockpit area in the car. So, yeah, it's not... It's, um, it's very space efficient. So, you know, we, we haven't heard customers tell us they're space constrained or anything like that. You're getting your full trunk. You're getting this compute power that's needed to enhance the safety, eventually get to self-driving, which raises the question, how important is it to have that edge computing in the vehicle, not being relying on the cloud for, for every action? It, it needs to be in the car because latency, everything in a vehicle, when we're talking about self-driving, has to be real time. And so, and you can't do real time in the cloud. There's always a delay. And so you need a powerful computer in, in, in every car for that reason to ensure, you know, everything is real time safety and security and automotive is paramount, you know, when we're talking about self-driving technology. Is late, latency, was that one of the keys to, to achieving full self-driving where we have to eliminate latency for order that to, ha- to happen? And that's where the role of the edge computing comes in? The key to self-driving is just, you know, the being able to deliver a real self-driving experience that's safe 
and secure. Uh, we have to think about self-driving in terms of security as well as safety. To me, they're the same thing. Um, there are people who, you know, try to hack sensors and feed like wrong data in so that the computer might make a mistake. And so, you know, you can't have a hacked self-driving vehicle. So, you know, the things we did and we do in safety is based on, you know, our acquisition of Mellanox. And, you know, essentially there we're talking about data center grade security. We're taking those technologies and we're putting it in a car because we need to make sure that, you know, you can't hack a self-driving vehicle. And I think those are the most important things. And, you know, like you said, of course, latency is part of it is that you can't be safe if you can't do it fast. So we think of everything in terms of how quickly can we react to what the camera sees. That latency needs to be super fast because if you see something on the road, you need to quickly be able to see it and break if you need to. And so the latency of your stack is 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 a critical portion of, of the safety of your stack. You're putting all the pieces together. You're focused on on cybersecurity with the acquisition. You're focused on simulation. And we've had Mark Wheeler from co-founder of DeepMap on a previous podcast and NVIDIA acquired DeepMap. I said, all right, go Mark, go James, go away. Great, great job NVIDIA. You bring two great companies together. What Mark and James were doing at DeepMap when they were independent was phenomenal. Will that just be accelerated now inside of NVIDIA, the great work that they were doing? Yeah, I mean, mapping is a critical pillar of AV. Uh, I mean, we, we, you think of it as, you know, you're seeing everything on the road with your sensors, but a map is a memory of all the routes that you've taken over the life of your car, as well as the fleet. Because it's not just your routes, but every OEM has a bunch of customers and you start to build this memory of all your customers' routes. And now you have a map based on all of that. That you've essentially created and so it becomes like an extra sensor you see a lane with the camera but the map also has mapped that lane and you fuse those two together and when you have multiple ways to sort of detect something or classify something and position yourself within the road then you have a safe, safer self-driving experience uh, and so you know with deep map we bought you know a world-class mapping team and, you know, together now, you know, we're just going to increase the investment in, in mapping uh, in our sort of new entity. And, you know, we're going to help provide better mapping services to the industry. I'm Acme OEM, and I have a large legacy established business. I'm, I'm getting pressure from shareholders to, to go into autonomy. Is it fair to say I can call NVIDIA and they can start the building blocks that my engineers can build upon from the simulation to the mapping to the compute power? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I think and it's a, such a grand investment, right? Doing something like this is such a grand challenge that it's nice to have the access to partners who can offload some of that for you, accelerate your development. And, and you know, of course, then once you have the ability and the capability to do it all, you're welcome to. But, you know, every OEM has to decide where they want to differentiate and where they want to partner. And we're trying to give them opportunities to partner across um, the automotive stack. Then what's next as the company looks towards the future of autonomy? I think that there's still a lot of innovation inside the cockpit that we've yet to see. Um, I don't think anyone has built a world-class confidence view. And, you know, confidence view is multiple. You know, one is you're driving 
and you just see everything on the road. But the other time is, you know, you're parking and you have like a 360 stitched view of of your whole surrounding area. Doing that with really high quality and precision, I haven't yet seen on the road. And that takes the combination of, you know, AI, deep learning, graphics, perception networks to be able to show you all of this. Um, and to be able to do that quickly at scale worldwide, it, it takes a lot of expertise. And so I think we're investing there and we hope to do some really compelling new experiences and services in that area. But then beyond even that, a car is going to be like a concierge-like experience inside the car. So think of AV as your chauffeur. It's driving you from place to place, but you want to have access to some kind of a concierge inside the car. It has to be completely intelligent, like understand the vehicle and understand all the passengers in the car. And you should be able to talk to your concierge. Think of it as this like intelligent digital assistant, and it should be able to answer any question for you. So for example, just last week, it so happened that my uh, brake lights were out, but you don't have one brake light. So I get a sign that says like check brake light. And you should be able to ask your concierge, uh, what, what brake light is out? It's like, oh, it's your rear left one. What type of light does it use? It's like this size halogen or xeon light. Uh, order it and just orders it for you. And it, and it comes like someone, uh, you know, you could do so many things with your concierge in a car and that level of AI that's needed to do that is super hard. And, you know, we're, we're investing in that. You've talked about us talking about, you know, Riva technology and Maxine. We have to put all of that technology together and build a product out of it in auto. And so we're excited to sort of continue to invest and bring new innovation inside the cockpit over time. I fully agree about the cockpit. I think it's going to be really interesting when you put augmented reality in the vehicle, especially in an autonomous vehicle. That's going to open up a whole world. That's going to need compute power, which you're really good at. But it's not just NVIDIA's excited. I had dinner uh, with a friend of mine last week and a very large real estate developer for commercial real estate. And we start talking. He's like, you know, my issue with the restaurants that I have here, we don't know when the guest is going to come or when, um, how great would it be if we knew from the vehicle when they're going to arrive and when they're going to leave? We can build this whole interactive experience with them. Or they can pre-order from the vehicle that can connect to our system. He goes, now that's game changing for me as a developer because now you're going to want to come to my restaurant because when you arrive there, it's no, hello, Mr. and Mrs. It's, boop, you go right to your table. And so the real world developers are thinking about this as long with, with your great engineers inside of NVIDIA. I can't wait to see what that future looks like. Realistically, are we 10 years away, 15 years away? When do you think we'll get to that future where we have that really interesting cockpit experience? You know, what's amazing, I think, to me is that how the pace of change in the world is much faster than we ever could have imagined. You know, what, what the world was like in 100 years, in... You know, our grandparents' generation, it didn't change that much in that 50-year time frame. But, you know, our, my children's life is going to be totally different than, than my life. And so I'm not surprised if, you know, we're going to see these things in five years. Certainly not longer term. You'll start seeing it and it'll just sort of accelerate from there uh, in the next five years. I agree with you. And I think that when you have real-world partners 
that are actively waiting for this technology and embracing it, it's it's only going to accelerate it because it benefits the consumers at the end of the day. Looking at automotive as a whole, everything's changing. What's next for NVIDIA in automotive? Not just self-driving, but, but automotive as a whole. I think we're just going to see this huge paradigm shift where the vehicle becomes a software platform. And, you know, that takes an entirely new mindset and skill set. You know, you need to build your cars in a different way. Software engineers need to define what the car should be. It's not just like, what's the hardware design of a car? The way that you architect the car should be upgradable. So you should be able to take Orin computer in a car and upgrade it to an Atlan computer in a car so a customer can bring it in and you can hardware upgrade the car and it should be software compatible across generations because you think of it as it gets better after it gets sold. And then that creates a new business model, right? It's no longer like you're selling hardware. You have sort of software services business that you know can continue for the life of a car. So it's fundamentally disruptive. And so for NVIDIA, we're just constantly thinking about how can we build new experiences, new capabilities to, you know, enable all these things that we think is possible or that we can imagine happening. And, you know, that's what you see, you know, we're talking about AV, we're talking about concierge experiences in the car. We're even talking about things like, how do we help engineers of these companies develop better? Like it might not be technology in the car, it might be the infrastructure and capability and know-how to build these kind of cars, to find issues, quickly root cause them, quickly fix them and OTA them in the car. That's that's valuable capability. And so we're trying to help customers in those ways as well. Customer satisfaction rankings go up. I love the line. It gets better after it's sold. As a consumer, you're like, yes, yes. When's the, when's the I ever heard that? Normally it, it goes downhill. Do we get to a point where the software platform in the vehicle is just as important in the interior? Okay, I'd like to have the tan and the mocha. Does it come to a point, you think, where the software that's in that vehicle becomes just as important of what the interior options are? Oh, I think so for sure. I I think the luxury, the the definition of luxurious experience will all will largely be determined by um, the experience enabled inside the car and a lot of that is based on you know artificial intelligence and electronic capability and entertainment and things that you could let a customer appreciate i absolutely feel like today driving is a chore but tomorrow driving will be kind of luxurious you'll like it yeah you'll enjoy what you're doing in a car but all these things need to come together for that to be the case right like the self-driving vehicle needs to be great and then the concierge experience inside the car needs to be great. But once both of them happen, you're really going to enjoy being in your car. Bingo. The, the future of autonomy is experiences. That's what this is going to come down to. What is the experience I want when I'm going to a baseball game? What is the experience I like when I'm going out to friends for dinner? Or what's the experience when I'm riding in the vehicle taking my daughter to school? You're right. It's going to come down to the experience. On the way to school, we might want to talk about history on the, on the way to dinner you might want to listen to music it's all going to come down to the experience and ali this has been a really interesting conversation with a super interesting company and as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation what would you like our listeners to take away with them i, I mean i think for for me it's just you know how exciting 
of a time it is in automotive. You know, huge transformations are happening in, you know, how cars are built, how they're enjoyed, um, the business model um, in automotive is being fundamentally disruptive. You know, hopefully they will enjoy their car more and feel safer in their cars um, as these new experiences, new capabilities um, come into their vehicles over time. There's no doubt about it. This is exciting times. It's only going to get more exciting as innovators continue to innovate and build the future because today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. And the future is NVIDIA. Ollie, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thank you. Really appreciate being here. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week when I speak with Omar Kiloff from Innoviz as we discuss innovative LiDAR. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. 